Welcome to the Career Therapy Podcast. My name is Martin McGovern, and today we have something a little different for you. I know it's been a hot second, but since we've had a Career Therapy Podcast, uh, we've been really focused on the live streams and creating Chance the Career Chameleon comics. And uh, one of the things that's coming up, or a couple of things coming down the pipeline here in the podcast, is that we're bringing in some new formats, some new topics and things. Today's topic is VP Chats, Vice President chats. And our guest today is Carlos Rebellon, who is a vice president and program manager at Northern Trust Corporation working in product change management. I also used to work with Carlos in my first job out of college, and I'm very excited for this conversation, or very excited to share this conversation with you. Carlos touches on all sorts of amazing things uh, when it comes to the job search. Number one, he talks about what it's like on the hiring side. Number two, he talks about building relationships and how to um, authentically network and not do it in this awkward way that a lot of job seekers do it. And number three, he just kind of has this great outlook on skill building and setting expectations and communicating your goals to management so that they know what you're trying to accomplish and you can easily move up, move up the ranks in your company, in your career, and uh, do, it with, uh, do it with style the way Carlos does. And so without further ado, we're going to get into this conversation. Thank you so much for stopping by the podcast, and I'll see you in the show. All right. So I'd love to kick it off by asking you the most infamous job search question that everyone has always asked, which is, tell us about yourself. Well, I guess uh, if, if I can go to the way back machine, mm-hmm. uh, way back, way back, um, I went to school to become a school psychologist. So I was, you know, adept in taking psychology classes, taking all the social sciences, uh, graduated with a psychology degree and a minor in Spanish, um, started to uh, get married, uh, and then had this life-changing moment where I was in a construction accident. And I realized I needed to start working. So first step into the career world is because of my Spanish background, um, I got a job at Baxter Healthcare. Baxter Healthcare was looking for bilingual uh, operations analysts. So I was in the supply chain. Um, and that is where I got my first uh, glimpse of what's behind the corporate machine, everything you can learn, how you can become much more adept in you know things that you're passionate about. Training is free. I'm like, oh my God, I can take any class I want. So you know, my first uh, step into the computer world and technology was learning Excel. I learned Excel from top bottom. I learned web design. And I said to myself, I want to become a web designer. So my second job at Baxter was as a web designer in the Financial Center of Excellence. Um, did that for about two years, realizing that uh, um, perhaps web design was not my true passion. Um, what was it about web design? that you realized? It, I, I like web design because it, it brought out the creative uh, use of computers. You can manipulate any image, you can manipulate any screen with HTML, with code, and create uh, a beautiful uh, site. Um, I started on my own business, actually, uh, after doing that for about seven years. Um, but I realized that uh, you can only go as far as your creative uh, um, palette. So if you're not really a designer, if you're not really an artist, it makes it difficult to be creative and to think of things that your clients don't ask for. So if your client asks for, I want this page with this, you can do it easily. But if they're asking you, can you create me something beautiful? I, I find myself you know, faltering. So it seemed as though you needed to have more of that artistic background, the, the designing uh, digital design element um, which yeah. I did not have. So um, I actually worked with a project manager and I thought to myself, what's what's this project management? What 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 is that all about? Uh, started to learn about it and um, lo and behold, I made myself a promise that I would become a project manager. So uh, was in you know customer service, did some data anal- analysis, worked at Baxter about 11 years. Um, in total, but by my eighth year, that's when I became a project manager in the quality data side. So um, did a lot of international travel by doing work in Colombia, um, Argentina, uh, China, Japan. Uh, there was all these jobs related to our computer, uh, our customer 
um, Experience Center and our complaint management system. So uh, I was the project manager for releasing the newest version of that. Nice. Um, after a few years of project management, um, you start to think, you know, what is it that I should progress to as a project manager? And PMP, uh, the certification from PMI was one element that um, I, I endeavored for. And, you know, how could I apply myself to the Project Management Institute of Chicagoland, uh, volunteered to become a director of certification, learned about uh, how to certify as a PMP. And after about a, um, uh, three years of doing that director uh, volunteerism, an opportunity came up to be a uh, project manager at Discover. And Discover is where you and I met. Um, we worked there uh, several years, um, had a great time in the uh, customer experience uh, e-business, um, learning all about uh, how to design a site from um, what we call uh, clickable uh, uh, compositions and uh, creating uh, a website that is user-friendly, uh, easy. Were you working on, on the mobile stuff as well while we were there? Both. So yeah, we did. We mobile. did. Uh, we did create mobile, iPad, and desktop versions of all yeah, of our, our our compositions. And we had to create um, separate things for each platform at the time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We did not have when we first went out. When we first started on that path, we did not have dynamic. Um, HTML. We did not have mm -hmm. dynamic pages. Uh, they hadn't converted them yet. So you did have to design for each of them individually. Yeah. But eventually... I remember being in creative services and someone showed me a responsive website for the first time. And I was yes. like, oh my God. <laughs> it changes everything. Yes. Uh, hey, and Glennis. so, yes. There she hey, is. Glennis. Hey. How's it going, Glennis? Uh, so after uh, Discover, um, the role that I was hoping to uh, move on to as a um, senior project manager, second level, I, I thought, okay, pro program manager, that's my next job. And then an opportunity came up at Walgreens, uh, which was down the street from Discover. Uh, they're all very close to each other, Baxter, mm -hmm. Discover, Walgreens, yeah, so all in that little intersection in Deerfield. Um, went to Walgreens as a program manager, worked there for about three years, loved it, but I realized that um, I, I did miss the whole project management um, element, the getting your hands dirty. Um, I was very strategic. I was very high level as, as a program manager. Um, I was very dependent on um, running the schedule, the resources, the finances, doing your forecast, budgeting, et cetera, which to me was all great experience, but I was looking for more of the um, uh, getting my hands dirty, planning, um, project managing. So uh, where if I were to think my career were to go from a program manager would be the next phase of my career. And it wasn't so much the job, but the organization, the environment. Um, I started to look around where uh, project management, technology, and design hasn't progressed as quickly as other places, like pharmaceuticals, hospital medical supply, um, online services, et cetera, finance, uh, banks in particular. Um, so my first move was to Bank of America and work there as a relationship manager to learn basically everything there is about finances. It wasn't the project manager or program manager job that I was looking for, but to me, that was the first step into the financial arena where I was truly embedded within a retail financial organization, um, partnering with a corporate um, business, uh, corporate uh, banking institution. And then I ended up getting recruited by where I'm currently working uh, is uh, uh, an investment um, wealth management uh, bank here in, in Chicago. Uh, that role really was uh, the, the, the magic as far as, you know, wow, the marriage of both worlds where I got the financials and my skills as a project manager. I came into the ground as a senior project manager um, with a wealth of knowledge from Baxter, Discover, Walgreens, where I've been doing all this stuff. And I was able to take what worked and what didn't work and apply that to the current role that I'm in. And I find that um, it was uh, very welcome, uh, the environment that I'm working in 
is uh, very appreciative of that experience. And so I've, I've had, uh, I, I guess, a lot of good success here so far. That's so amazing. That, that's but, that's but, kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, and what's your current title again? Uh, Vice President, Program Manager. Wonderful. Yeah, and there's a number of things that I kind of heard as you were going through that story that really stand out to me. Um, one was you, you were trying at all times to sort of connect the dots forward and backwards. And even if you were in a role that wasn't exactly the role you wanted to be in, you were trying to figure out what you could learn in that role that would apply to the next move. Um, always sort of keeping that strategic eye and things never always turn out exactly how we expect and we roll with the punches, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is when you got involved with PMI, I think that that's a really interesting uh, footnote because you spent a lot of time you know, involved in that organization, as you said, volunteering with that organization and being, you know, like building that sort of foundation. I think a lot of times when I talk on these live streams about networking, about putting yourself out there, about joining communities, about, you know, what we call watering holes, going to where people are uh, in order to build those professional relationships. I think that's probably a really good example of it. I'm kind of curious if you might go into a little more detail mm -hmm. about you know, the non-work, quote unquote, things that you did throughout your career that have contributed to your professional uh, development? Yeah, um, I could I could name plenty. Um, as a employee, um, junior achievement has always been uh, something that's been offered at the corporate level for volunteerism. Um, we've, we've had Kaboom as the ability to go to build a playground oh, for, yeah. uh, yeah, for uh, schools and, and park districts. So I've always had that embedded within me anyway as a person. But then when it became available in a career, um, I jumped at those opportunities. And even between jobs, and which is I think we're, um, what we're, we're talking about is for PMI, um, it was an opportunity to really involve myself with the larger project management community and to surround myself with other experts in my field. Um, it, it was a, a, a like mindset where we were looking to either achieve the next role or to um, uh, slam dunk your next project. You know, how do I get this done? And I, wow, I have 30 people sitting next to me at this dinner table that could answer that question because they've had nine, 20, you know, two years, it's so random uh, when you meet people, uh, where they come from, what they've done. Um, but the, the fascinating part of it is you're in this area that everyone has got the same mindset. So it's an equal mindset, equal um, like goals to, to move forward. With PMI, um, I was there while I was employed and in between jobs. So while I was unemployed and I did um, take advantage of a lot of the resources that were available. While I was employed, it was mostly looking for um, volunteer opportunities to help with the certification. So that's when I became the director of certification. Um, and then while I was between jobs, there were um, networking opportunities for folks who were looking for employment. Um, you could put your name in the hat saying, you know, we're, I'm currently in between jobs and I'm looking for the next role. These are my interests, kind of like a job board but internally, um, and as a connection, my, um, let's see, my director of certification prior to me, a gentleman by the name of John Duggan, he worked downtown and during, you know, uh, a transition between jobs, I was able to connect to 10 different people and say, hey, you know, as I write my letter, um, I currently am, uh, have left my previous role, I'm you know, looking for such and such an opportunity. Um, you know, let's connect for some lunch. No, you know, no strings attached. Uh, how would you like to do that? And of the 10 that I wrote, you know, eight responded and I met with four of them one-to-one -to, -one, uh, to, to talk about opportunities. And with uh, this gentleman that I mentioned, um, it was, you know, because he and I connected personally outside of uh, just, you know, PMI, we had the same, uh, passion for project management, passion for uh, soccer. Um, it's kind of like a personal and professional friend. Um, and we were able to kind of check in with each other even after I moved on to the next role 
um, and kept in contact. There, there are still a few people within PMI that um, uh, I run into, again, here and there. Um, you don't realize how vast that network is across Chicagoland. And what is nice is um, what used to happen, and I'm not sure if this still occurs, is they have these monthly dinners. And essentially you go to um, Schiller Park, uh, have a dinner. You go downtown, have a dinner. And that's when they have the monthly um, uh, PMI Chicagoland um, meetings, the, you know, the updates for all the members, et cetera. So I do currently keep up my membership um, and I have used uh, the opportunity to go to their global PMI last year with my boss as an opportunity for development. So I continue to use and to um, uh, benefit from that relationship with PMI. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool organization and it's actually one that um, my father is very involved with. And I remember when I was between jobs, he was very gung-ho about me joining. And I think I was a member for a year or so. <laughs> um, and I've been to a few of their events. So there's a lot of good stuff um, going on in there. And, and again, it's that opportunity to connect with an already established network to tap into projects that are already in the works, to volunteer for things. I always say, you know, it's great to go to an event. It's better to volunteer at the event and it's best to put on your own. And so anytime you can get more involved with an organization that's already established and what you kind of said, nerding out about these things with other people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and connecting beyond just the surface level of the topics. I think what's really interesting about careers and something that comes up a lot when it comes to networking is this sort of like people feel inauthentic. People feel kind of, um, they almost feel like networking is gross in a way, uh, or at least that's the vibe that I get from a lot of people when I encourage mm -hmm. them to network. And I think it's kind of funny because you and I, I I believe we worked on a project or two together, mm -hmm. but mostly we just sat near each other yep. and would, you, you had like a putter at your desk and we would like at the end of the day, you know, hit the, hit, hit some golf balls around and yep. you had a ton of like um, hot sauces. Yes. We had you're hot the whole aficionado class, right? Oh, oh my God. Tell us about that. Cause I'm trying to remember all the details. And it's like, those are the things that stand out that like, I mean, obviously I remember like, when you would give me a, 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 a project plan, it was the most detailed thing I'd ever seen and it was impressive <laughs> as hell. But then we would also make like chili cook-offs and stuff like that. Share a little bit about your approach or your maybe philosophy on like building connections professionally. Um, so I, I think um, just to give you a, a, a fill in the details for that. So um, I know that I've always had this uh, aff affinity for hot sauces. And um, Greg Cameron, who was one of our uh, esteemed work uh, co-workers, he challenged me to eating, you know, the, the hottest pepper you can. And he said, I, I can eat a hot pepper, too. I love hot sauce. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Challenge. You know, so we, I brought the ghost pepper uh, um, sal salsa and he literally took the chip, dipped it and ate the whole thing and just looked at me like, oh OK, you, you ready? And it was like, oh, this is this guy is a contender. So um, we all brought our hot sauces, and so we we started the hot sauce aficionado club. And um, out of one of those meetings, uh, you know, somebody said, "Hey, you know what? You we need to make a, ch a salsa challenge." And I'm like, "Okay, I'll organize it." I, you know, I was the CPO, you know, chief party officer at the oh time. Oh my gosh, you were the CPO. <laughs> oh, I remember that. That's so and, fantastic. And so they were, they were like, "Yep, make make the um, make the salsa challenge." I'm like, "Okay." So put it out there as far as an event. Um, you know, sent it out as an email, all through work. I mean, mind you, uh, gave them. You know, these are the choices of hot, mild, uh, or medium. And then someone asked, hey, can we do guacamole? I'm like, sure, guacamole is included. And we picked a date and everyone brought in their hot sauces and we had a good participation. We had eight entries. Um, five of them were salsa and three were guacamole. Um, some of them may have been store-bought. We, we weren't sure. They just you know, opened the can and poured it in the bowl you know, in the back room. But they were a lot of really good homemade ones. And so um, the winner 
was so good. It was uh, um, this really like uh, sweet and, and spicy like, it, uh, mango so sauce. Weird. I can remember it. <laughs> yeah. And, and then um, our VP at the time, he absolutely loved it. And he's like, we got to do this again. And um, uh, took us out, you know, for for Mexican food, you know, just to say thank you for all the participation. What I find really was the 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 overall benefit of an event like this at work was the connections. Um, the fact that we all were so vamped up, so excited to attend. Um, everyone kind of stepped away from their desk for about a half hour, and it was just, you know, um, being together, enjoying the food. Um, that was one event. Um, the other one, which I think you had you had mentioned, um, was uh, our event downtown, the J.P. Morgan Chase uh, Challenge, mm -hmm. um, putting together a tent. So I put my project manager hat on for that one, and you know we did the test testing for the different uh, barbecue vendors. Wow. We actually had a guy come in, bringing in that hot the best barbecue sandwiches. That was the best day of work I've ever had. Coleslaw. <laughs> what what company was it? like? What was the barbecue? That was that was Sweet Baby Ray's. They came in and and did us a a, a sampling. So it was ah yes. And so we picked um uh, we picked uh, one of the vendors and they came set up our tent. Um, we had the heaters outside because it was cold and it was a great evening. One of those uh, events where um it went off without a hitch i had a few people that i needed for backup um uh for photography for you know just uh gathering people uh where to check in where to get your badge where to get your shirt um events like that uh at discover were were awesome yeah. um one that i can share really quickly uh that i did here at my current um employer is uh the um, Chicago um, bike, I think it's like the ATA, uh, does a, a yearly bike challenge, a commuting yeah. to work challenge through the month of the July. Drive. It's not bike to drive. It's um, during July 6th through the 19th. Um, cool. Basically, you ride your bike to work, and every hour, every mile that you ride, you can log it. And the wow. challenge is just to be active and to ride the bike more. Um, and from that, we changed it to a like our whole department activity so didn't matter if you were biking walking doing yoga kayaking uh running whatever it is log those minutes and we did north america versus emia so we have our partners in in london and limerick um and oh my god it was like the 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 gauntlet was thrown down it was like the National Olympics were, were going on. You know, we were, I biked 292 miles in those two weeks. Um, some folks did like 1,600 minutes of like running, basketball, golfing, walking. And it's like, it, it, it really went nuts. Um, it, just to say, EMEA, they beat us on minutes because uh, they were, you know, very much doing running, uh, basketball, walking the dog type stuff. But we won with regards to miles, so distance traveled. So uh, we had a lot of biking, et cetera. But it was that part was everyone came back to me and, and my boss and said, you know what, I had really appreciated being active, but just the, um, the, the camaraderie and going through a challenge together and just being more active, um, it really, everyone was sharing photos. We had a slideshow that we put out there where people can upload photos. And um, we actually had it part of our town hall meeting. Um, they, they threw a slide up there where it showed pictures of uh, us biking, riding, kayaking. It was really uh, a great event. We're going to do it again next year. Um, but I, the benefits, you know, not only health-wise, but um, activity-wise. And amazing, man. getting together and doing stuff together. It really is. And I think, you know, if I look back, I mean, you and I, again, we, we didn't work on that many actual projects at work together, but we did all these like little side projects together that were like non-work projects. And mm -hmm. I think for the, the marathon or the um, chase nice challenge, you were the chase. designer for the shirt. Yeah, I, I created the shirts both years. I think I still wear one of them. I still wear it too. Yeah. The, the Nike one, the orange Nike one is so comfy. Um, 
but yeah, so those are the kinds of things that I think, you know, both while you're in a role, um, you know, sometimes we're tempted to just kind of go to work, do our job and go home. And I think that it's sort of considering how much time we spend at work every single day and throughout our lives, you know, we, we really do want to find ways to foster those other types of connections. And I think, you know, like you said, this leads to things outside of work between jobs as well. A lot of people worry about gaps in their resume and stuff like that. But if you've got PMI going on and you're maybe volunteering at events or helping them on the director board, you've got things for those gaps. And I'm kind of curious because now, now that you've, you know, continued to, uh, you know, progress in your career and move up the rankings, um, I'm, I'm assuming you've been on the hiring side as well. Is that correct? Yes. And how has that looked for you? Um, you know, having kind of come from where you've come from, I know you, so you said you started in construction, was that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you started construction and you've just, you know, continued to move up the ladder and now you're on the other side of it, you know, bringing in younger folks probably to the company. What sort of things are you looking for? What do you sort of um, see when, while you're on the hiring side of things? Good question. Thank you. Um, so essentially, um, at, at, when I'm looking for a particular role, let's say project management, um, I am sure that there is this, you know, uh, thought that out there that when a resume goes out there, it goes into this black hole um, that nobody sees it. Um, there are situations like that, like giant job boards, but for a company, um, what I know from my personal experience is that when I put in a requisition, this is the role I need, these are the qualifications we're looking for, um, this is the minimum you know, experience or educational requirements, and then I set that in and the resumes start, literally as a fire hose. Um, and so as I'm going through the list of, of, of resumes, um, there's about like, you know, um, 10 to 20 that I go through that are already screened, but sent over to me. What I'm looking for is I'm looking for the particular responsibilities and accomplishments and milestones that a project manager would have completed. So if I'm looking for a program manager, I'm looking for these specific activities. So like if I were to name them program manager, I'm looking for budgeting, scheduling, forecasting, um, resource allocation, um, uh, roadmaps. Um, you look for this in the bullets or in the skills section or how in, do you look for it? Well, there's several places you could find it. Um, sometimes it's not so much in the mission or the objective, but in the actual job responsibilities. So I performed a forecast for a three-year project at, you know, $6 million. The forecasting is a big part of a program manager's job. So I do look for specific keywords. Um, I do keyword searches and I also uh, do this thing where it's called a word cloud. So I take all the text from the resume and I throw it into a wizard to, to create a word cloud. And then the biggest words that are on there, if it doesn't say program manager forecasting, um, let's say um, if, if it doesn't say budgeting, if it doesn't say resources, I'm not as apt to, you know, follow through and read through the entire resume. So I'll, I'll look at the word cloud and see what are the biggest things that they talk about. And then I'll obviously read it to, to get content. And if I do choose to uh, do a phone interview, I have the, 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 the facilities to schedule it. And it's a 15 minute chat where I get to hear a little bit about what um, this individual that I'm interested is uh, um, had as far as life experience, as far as what they worked on, what are they looking for, um, what do they know about the company that um, we're hiring for, and so that 15 minute is you know your foot in the door, and if the conversation is a applicable, b personable, and c um, lively, I mean you'd be surprised there are, there are some really dead fish that I get on the phone. They're like, yeah. Uh -huh. I want to hear those stories. So like yeah. what what have been some of the let, what's an example of a really great interview that you've had and and one that was a little bit rough? So I would say a great interview is they know all about the company. They have their three questions and they are 
continuously progressing the conversation. That is an easy interview. Um, it's like they're they're adding and asking at the same time, like in the same sentence. I don't know how to explain that, but it's like it it they they answer my question, but they also give me something that I want to know more about. Mm -hmm. you, you see what I mean? So yeah. it's, that, it's that it's a it's a flowing engagement. Um, an interview that wouldn't go well is if I ask a question and they answer it, and that's it. It's it's um, got to be nerves. It may be. Uh, a language barrier, it may be, um, you know, uh, stage fright, whatever it may be, um, the conversation is for that 15 minute screening is critical. Um, and so that makes me know that they can step into a room and present. They can jump on a call and run the meeting with an agenda. That to me is their, um, their on the spot job interview, the way they talk, the way they ask and the way they present themselves yeah um, for the good ones I, I, then I can, give an, I can give a quick example of, of mm -hmm. what those look like so uh i'll put my little brother on blast here a little bit um when he was doing online dating uh he was like how come these aren't converting <laughs> he didn't say converting but it's like how come i'm not getting any dates and i looked at his messages and it was like um what's your favorite food pizza what's your favorite color blue what's your favorite thing and just like you know, the conversation just dies after each question because he never builds on it. Yeah. And so uh, what you're kind of talking about here is building rapport and this ability to answer the question and then throw it back with like badminton it back almost. And like um, a good example of this is like, tell me about our strength and weakness. You kind of talk about one of your strengths and then say, how have you seen, you know, those strengths on your team play out or how have you seen your team handle that kind of a weakness? Is that sort of, you know, what you're talking about of banter, bantering it back in that way? You know what? Um, another thing that uh, on top of that, that I, I do like is when they take the requirements of the job that's in the job description and provide an example of yes. how they've done that. To me, that is the one-to-one -one connection that makes it so easy to say, yep, they've done it. They know what it is and they can have relevant experience or know how to handle this type of situation. So um, at, at, at any time, um, I have a candidate who has A, researched what the company does and B, looked at the resume and seen these are the requirements and then created a mini chart for themselves saying requirement A, I did this for five years and I was successful here. Requirement B, I, I, I performed this type of meeting on a weekly basis and did C, you know what I mean? So um, that connection, that drawing out of the requirements and applying it in the interview is really critical and it really helps to sell the individual. Yeah, that this idea of storytelling I think is huge. I think, you know, a good, a good example of that is uh, someone will say, you know, in, in an interview, there's that question, tell me about a time you've had a conflict with a coworker, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, the person gets nervous, right? Because they don't actually want to talk about a real conflict because that brings up a lot of negative emotions. And I've also seen the tone of an interview just change completely if someone hasn't dealt with the emotions of that conflict <laughs> and suddenly they're back with a bad manager in their head. Um, but a good a good way to deal with that, you know, sometimes people will answer it too generally. They'll be like, well, this one time I had a coworker and we had a conflict, but we fixed it and it's all good. Yeah. It's like, nope. okay. <laughs> What was that? That I've got nothing to go on here. Um, versus like this person and I had this very specific one-time conflict. I think that's another thing. People will be like, oh, we just were always in conflict. It's like, wait, which time are we talking about, right? So it's like this person and I had a very specific disagreement during this very specific project while trying to accomplish this goal. And here's how we got through it, good, bad, or otherwise. And then the key thing there, again, to banter it back, and here's what I've learned about conflict from mm -hmm. that situation, which, will, which I will apply in the future. And then if you really want to double it down, um, how do you see conflicts get resolved best on your team with your best employees? And now you're in a conversation about resolving conflict rather than just telling a very specific conflict story. Is that sort of what you're talking about here? Yeah. Um, when 
when I ask uh, interview questions, I do have some of the behavioral type questions. So um, <clears throat> I'll ask, for instance, one, tell me a time when you had a conflict with someone. Um, tell me a time when you had to rely on written communication to get your point across. Hmm. Tell me about a time that you had to influence a group to see things your way. Um, tell me about a time, and, and these are all behavioral. I mean, I'm not. Stories. You're asking for stories. I'm, you're I'm saying, asking, tell me about a time. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally just asking for stories. And then the last question that I ask after they ask me their questions, I go, do you have any questions for me before I ask my last question? And they go through their questions. The last question that I'll ask is, what is your proudest um, uh, career accomplishment? And if they come up with something, that is the, you know, that is a the bonus. But if they can't, that's like, whoa, you've you've had this a wonderful career, and you can't think of one thing that you're proud of. And it's like that that is a sometimes a deal breaker too. Um, I'm not saying that I I weigh the entire interview on that, sure. but it's like. It's like, if you can sell yourself, you should be able to pick one accomplishment. So always have those kind of like in the, in, on the side or in the, you know, in the wings to pull out. Um, these are the things that I did really well. And these are the things, like you said, what are some of your weaknesses uh, that you can also speak to? That's awesome. And so thinking back through your own career, where do you feel like, um, do you have any examples of where you feel like you did it? you struggled a little bit in, in, you know, I mean, now we're, you're so far along, mm -hmm. you probably got all this stuff mastered. Right. But early on, how, how did you sort of build these skills? How did you, um, whether naturally or through trial and error, how did you sort of, you know, learn these techniques over time? Um, when it, when it, I would say my earliest challenge when it comes to a team, um, I joined a team that, uh, the, 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 the manager and the employee were coworkers before. So they had a relationship professionally for many years, for five years before I was the third wheel, essentially. I was the third person to join on a team of two. Um, when I came on, uh, there was this, I would say, physical uh, distance. They, were, they had their desk on one side of the floor and my desk, because there was no room around them, was literally on the other side of the floor. So I was not only separated by interaction and by uh, physical distance. And I think the only way I could get a, a, a around that was to you know, raise my voice, to make it um, not an issue, but to just you know, uh, draw attention to it you know, during one-to-ones. Uh, mention, hey, is there a possibility that we could you know, sit together so that we can collaborate? I feel that um, uh, you know, a team that sits nearby each other can just bounce ideas off each other, ask questions. Um, it, it makes it for uh, a, a better cohesiveness within the team. And, you know, upon mentioning that, upon uh, opining on it, eventually we did move to sit together because they understood the benefit of it. But if I hadn't said anything, if I hadn't advocated for myself, I don't think I would have gotten beyond that. So um, the lessons learned from that is, if you do have an issue, if there's something that you're finding as far as a challenge at work, is simply just to talk about it, to mm -hmm. opine about it, and to draw attention to it. Because, you know, nine times out of 10, they just don't realize that it's an issue because it's something that you find that it's uh, not working for you. Um, and, and from that point on, I, you know, I don't uh, try to be the squeaky wheel, but I try to at least, you know, make it known, hey, this is a problem. You know, is there something we could do to address it? And if the answer is no, then I move on. You know, it's not that it's a, it's a deal breaker or, or I'm going to quit because of it. But um, yeah, if it's a if it's a situation that it can be addressed um, internally, great. But um, if it's something that is beyond that, much higher than yes, then you do have other issues, and there are other means to go about that, uh, fixing it, HR, etc. Yeah, it's it's focusing on what you can control and keeping your expectations realistic. Mm -hmm. So that's a really great approach there. And you know, as you're continuing to develop in your career and see where you know all these different pieces are leading, um, what what are you already strategizing for? You know, years down the line, like what what's already what wheels are turning in your head about 
things you might need to develop or or skills you might need to uh, continue to perfect um, in order to get where you want to be down the down the road, whether that's a clear destination or, or a little bit one of, of exploration. I'll be honest with you, Martin, every um, job that I've ever uh, acquired, um, oops, no, my, nope. my, my camera, my webcam uh, just got unplugged. So can you still hear me? We can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if, if, uh, if you can hear me fine, I'll just continue talking. Um, what I find is back in, that's perfectly fine. All right. To go back in, um, what I was saying about my career, the important part about whenever I join an organization is to make sure that I put my career path. Um, what is it that I want to do going forward? Uh, how do I want to, uh, progress from my current role? So I put together a two year, three year, five year plan. And I've, I've had great success um, allowing, um, uh, using these type of tools. What um, I did currently in my role is in about one to two years time, I'd like to um, acquire a, um, a senior uh, manager role and uh, have direct reports. Um, within that two year period of starting my current role, I was able to uh, acquire that um, uh, I think it's a, uh, I think the word, um, my career advancement, sorry, I draw a blank there. Uh, so I was able to get the promotion. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and with the promotion, I do have a team now that reports to me. Um, my five-year plan at uh, my current employer is to start in the executive arena to not only get um, a, uh, the vice president, but a senior VP uh, um, role. And I did take a class last year for um, the organization called ASE. ASE is uh, a, a oh, I think we got the camera back. Getting you back here. Thank you. Um, it was taking a minute to reset. So uh, ASE is the Hispanic Alliance for Career um, um, enhancement. And they offered a class, which is a leadership uh, academy program. And the focus of that is to learn what is it a leader does? How do they think? How do they communicate? And how do they build rapport with their uh, direct reports, their, their folks, etc. At that moment, I wasn't a leader yet within the organization, but I wanted to learn the skills needed for that. So this was great timing when it came to um, uh, learning those skills. How you communicate, how you uh, empathize, how you portray your mission, your vision, um, is very different um, when you're within the ranks, when you're uh, uh, an actual doer, not a um, an owner of, of processes. Uh, so. My career goal is to now step into the next level of not only being a manager, but being a senior uh, VP at, at the organization. Um, whether that's feasible or not, um, my goal has been set, and I'm communicating that to my manager during my one-to-ones and during my uh, mid-year review and year-end review, so he is aware that these are the goals that I want to do. And anything he can do to help me move along or progress to the next level is um, you know, within his plan. So I, I feel that if you set your career path and you write it down as a plan, the steps that you need in order to achieve those, you can tick them off and say, attend class, learn these skills, become um, a, uh, a board member of this organization, learn to coach uh, or mentor. Um, these are all pieces that you can do to learn more skills to become a senior leader. And um, as I've been going through this, you know, past year, um, these type of roles do open up. And, you know, that's when you have to learn to jump um, at these opportunities and to take advantage of them. Um, I, I, can't, I can't explain it any other way. If, if, um, if there is a list of things you need to do, if, you don't, if I don't write them down, they don't get accomplished. Right. So that's just me personally. Um, I feel that by writing them down, you're almost, in a sense, enabling them and keeping it front and center so that it's constantly in your in, in your focus, in your mind. 
Yeah, you're kind of project managing your career backwards, right? You're <laughs> choosing the endpoint and lining up the steps to get there. I love it. Um, and and that that part there where you're communicating up, you're managing up, as they say, right? Um, one of the things that I hear all the time from job seekers and, and folks trying to build their career is that, uh, you know, they wish they could just be blunt. Why can't I just tell them I need a paycheck? Why can't I just tell them that I need a job? Like, why do I have to put on a almost a dog and pony show in a way to uh, to get someone to, you know, advocate for me and things like that? And I think the same thing exists in, um, you know, trying to get promoted and things like that, where you you see some folks go to their boss and they're just like, well, it's been a year. Do I get my promotion? And the boss is like, are you going to show me your work? Are you going to lay out your plans? Like, it needs to be sort of a, a symbiotic thing. And I'm kind of curious what strategies or, or what skills you've put into play to sort of have that conversation in a way that advocates for you, that doesn't, you know, put you to the side and put the company first. Because that's another thing that happens is folks uh, will put their own needs to the side in order to work on too many, say yes to too many projects or things like that. So how do you advocate your, for yourself while also putting it into the context of what's good for the business? What's been your approach there? So one of the, um, <clears throat> I'd say lessons learned uh, through my career is to always keep a log of any accomplishments that you have. There are many um, uh, months, weeks that go by that you know a small accomplishment, a small step, a small deliverable happens. Um, the major ones are the ones that you remember. Those are the ones you're like, yeah, I remember I did this project and we went live on this date. But that's like, you know, within the year, after five years, that stuff is gone. You don't remember what you did five years ago. So when you're in the job, it's not really a raid log. It's more like a, um, just a, uh, a remembrance log of these are the things I worked on and these are the dates that they got accomplished and these are the things that I did. So it, I guess you call it a journal. Yeah. And then during your one-to-ones or your, uh, your mid-year review or year-end review, that's the discussion that you have because you can have a list in your, this is what I did for the year and list them out. And they'll have forgotten literally 90% of them because that's not what happened last month. This is what happened in January. Now we're in December. What did I do in January? If you hadn't written it down, if I hadn't taken the, the time to you know, accurately describe what was it that was accomplished, whom benefited, and you know, what was the next steps if it didn't uh, go through, um, that would never have been shared or, or put in front of it. And I think um, that's helped uh, to get some of those uh, reviews that were, that were uh, um, better than expected. Um, I, I know that um, no one can toot your horn better than yourself. Um, it's great that you find a, a boss or someone who has accolades for you and will shower you with those accolades, but that's very rare. It's, it's not something that, uh, they have other direct reports that they have to keep in mind, mm -hmm. let alone just you. So, um, if, if you, if you help that along and, um, you know, you give them the examples like, yeah, that's right. He did go above and beyond for this. And, oh my gosh, they, they did finish this, you know, ahead of time. Um, and it's just a mere mention. It's not like you're, um, I, I hate to, to compare it to this, but the Christmas letter syndrome, whenever you get a Christmas letter from someone, my child was a scholar at Harvard and, you know, at the age of three and, um, my daughter ran three marathons, you know, it's like the bragging sound. Yeah. It's not that it's totally different. This is my professional accomplishments what I did this year. And it's talking about just what you did. It's not bragging to let people know how great you are. It's, it's, it's a totally different mindset. Yeah, it's, it's, it's stating the value you brought. Mm -hmm. it, it's, I did this, which led to that. I did this, which led to that. I want to keep doing that more and at a higher level. How can we make that happen? And that sort of setup, I think, is really important to give context. And I think for anyone who's job seeking, too, because that's most of our audience, um, you know, they they have a hard time talking about their past accomplishments. And, you know, as you said, like you laid out, you you no took note of all the things as they happened. I actually remember 
one of my performance reviews at Discover where I didn't do that and it did not go well. <laughs> it's like, oh, right, I should have done that over the last year. Um, and so I think it's really interesting how folks will um, downplay their professional achievements very often. Um, they'll think that they're being modest, but that modesty actually, if, if they were to hear themselves outside of their own head, mm -hmm. actually it's like almost not negativity, but it's a word similar to that where they're um, almost underselling or um, what I like to say, like they're couching their accomplishments yes. um, out of humility or something like that. But the truth is, is that the person you're talking to has no idea you're back, mm -hmm. no context here. So if we're being too uh, humble, uh, then it can actually backfire in a way. Um, so I think that's a really great uh, way of sort of tracking as you go and, and thinking about how these things play forward. And then how do you sort of, you know, when when we do pitch a promotion or we pitch any sort of like, you know, future with the company, <clears throat> we have to pitch it in a way that it benefits them, not just us, right? You can't say, oh, well, I want to raise because it's been a year and, and you got to keep up with inflation. Like that's a terrible argument, right? And so what are some of the ways that, maybe in the past you've gotten onto a project or gotten a promotion by having that conversation in a way that is with the company's best interest in mind. Yeah, um, so two things to answer that, Martin. Um, when it comes to uh, the first piece, which I mentioned earlier, the career uh, goals. So if you've already put together a timeline of within two years, I'd like to have this role. What are the things I need to do to accomplish that, that's a conversation that you can that you started already. So hopefully, if you wanted to get the promotion, it's not like I'm asking, "Hey, boss, can I have this promotion? Where is it?" Um, it's like way back when I started to talk to you. I'm looking at if I get all these things done and I'm able to accomplish them with rigor, with um, you know ease, with um, additional you know um, benefit. It shows that I'm, you know, uh, goal oriented, and I want to achieve this next level. It makes it easier for them to see that I am ready for that. I, I don't know how to explain it, so I, I know I may not be making the point I'm, I'm trying to put across. So because I've had that career conversation, they know that that's where I want to go, and you're they know that expectations. You're setting clear expectations. Setting those expectations exactly. So. It's almost, to be honest with you, Martin, I, I don't even have to ask for the promotion or for the, the next role. I'm telling them that I want it ahead of time. I'm telling them I'm looking for the senior role, not because it's a promotion, not because it is um, a better paycheck. I want it because of the responsibilities. And that's how I put it across. It's like, I would like to further my career because that's how I want to progress. But what comes with that progression? Uh, financials and you know, um, etc. I love how you put that. I want this for the responsibilities, and that is a very great way to. I, I just love how you put it there because, like, a lot of times I'll say, you know, why do you want to work in this role? Well, I want the paycheck. Well, you get a paycheck anywhere. You get a paycheck at Target. You get a paycheck. You know, drive an Uber. Why this paycheck, right? And I think that that answer of like, well, these responsibilities are skills I'm developing. These responsibilities are problems I like to solve. Um, I think a lot of times we just, we have a hard time and what you're calling out of like writing things down, being specific, you know, knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish on a skills level, on a goal level, on a, you know, career level. And being able to look at it objectively, I think is huge because um, it gets you out of that sort of, and I honestly, I think it's probably like anxiety and fear in a lot of ways of like, well, if I put it down and then I don't achieve it, I'm a failure. Like that that sort of mindset that people can get into and, and that negative uh, feedback loop that it can put you in of never being specific. So then you never actually chase anything. So then you don't achieve it. And that kind of cycles a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Agreed. so, oh, go ahead. There was, a, there was another part to that. Um, so on top of the uh, career, the path, the, um, the, the discussion earlier, um, I make sure that when I'm looking for the, the role, that I'm also uh, looking at where within the organization 
I could land or I could apply the skills if I do want the promotion where I'm looking to go. So it's, it's not only the conversation with my boss, but then it's starting to partner with that area that I'm looking to go to. So uh, they won't know my value. They won't know who I am when I apply for that if I've never talked to them, if I've never interacted with them. So finding out ways that either A, I can you know, speak with their manager, I could, and, and this is not like the cold call type speak with them. It's like, I'm in a meeting, I hear that we're going to you know, this department. Oh, that's the department I'm looking for you know, uh, a, uh, my next role. They have a few, few positions open there that I'm looking to move to. How can I learn more about that group? How can I partner with that team? Perhaps you know, join the meetings, join the conversation that they have around a specific project even though I'm not directly involved with it, having, you know, that, that connection where they're like, Oh yeah, that's Carlos. He joined our meetings, you know, a week ago as the manager for this team. He's great. You know, that type of stuff. Um, it's not only the inner conversation, but it's the outer conversation too, the outer relationships, um, getting to know that, that, that group. I love what you're saying here. Cause this, this really doubles down on a point that we talk about a lot in, in, in everything in career therapy, which is networking doesn't stop once you get a job. And you, one of the things I think you're amazing at, and one of the reasons I'm so excited that you wanted to be on the show and talk about this stuff is building those relationships while you're at the office, building those relationships outside of the office and so on and so forth. And like, you know, the fact that you and I got together, what, like a month and a half, two months ago and and played pool. Was that pre-quarantine, post-quarantine? That's pre-quarantine. That was pre-quarantine already? The month of, yeah. That feels like it was yesterday, but that was, yeah. you know, oh my God. But like, we just got together and we played pool at, at your office. And like that kind of stuff, I think, you know, a lot of times people won't reach out until they need something. And that's why maybe they feel a little bit hesitant to network when it comes time to truly mm -hmm. rubber to the road. Um, when really what you're talking about is like, no, you know, make salsa with people, like have, have a good time. And like, you know, someone even, even called it out in the comments here that it just seems like a great time at work and that it's a genuine thing. And if there's anything that I could say about you, it's that you're genuine. And so thank you so much. Um, we are right at time here for joining the show. Um, I do want to end with one last question. Um, because you brought it up earlier, <laughs> Carlos, what is your proudest career achievement? My proudest career achievement is having a four-year project that I joined in on the second year. And during that second year, the advancement of what we learned got us to a point where we were able to finish that, that, that project in two and a half years. I was on there for supposed to be on there for three years. But I did my job and we were able to accomplish that project within a, a year and a half of me joining. That's when I got the opportunity to travel to China, to Japan. Other folks from the team went to India, to um, uh, Malta, in EMEA, in Belgium. Um, I went to Fort Lauderdale and uh, trained all the South America and um, Central and South America partners. It was um, the advancement of a learning superseded anything as far as a benefit, not only the money saved, but the fact that we took a month long process per facility. So 40 facilities converted from paper to digital manufacturing facilities. And the process to convert one took 30 days. We got it down to a week. Wow. So it's like, you know, that shrinking of time needed to convert um, was the biggest, you know, win. So when we were at a facility doing three months of work, we got it down to a month, we got it down to 15 days, and then we got it down to a week. So it's like, that's how we progress over a period of uh, a two year period. And so we were able to finish it in a half a year. So a four year project in two and a half years, that's like, I accomplished it under budget, under time, everything, and, and learned a ton and got to travel. That that to me was, was awesome. So that's incredible. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo, sir. Um, and any last thoughts you want to share before we wrap today? Um, yeah, when it comes to networking, um, make it uh, about them. Uh, when you're meeting with someone uh, for lunch, for coffee, 
just talk about lunch and coffee. Don't even mention the career. Don't even mention that you're out of a job. Um, that to me should be secondary because the minute you start that conversation, it's the boomerang effect where you send a text message. Hey, I heard that you, you know, attended this seminar. Tell me more about that. And then that's where the conversation career-wise can develop. But the initial meeting should just be, how's it going? How are you doing? Tell me about you and, you know, connect that way. Cause that to me is the important part is the connection. And then the career talk can be later. So if you, if you immediately call up an old friend from 10 years ago and say, uh, do you have a job? That doesn't go well. So make it about them when you meet. I love it. Thanks for joining us on the live stream today, Carlos. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me, Martin. Absolutely. Anytime, seriously, anytime you have a, a an idea that you want to share, um, I'm happy to have you back. So enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, I hope this was valuable to everyone uh, who's out there on the job hunt. And I know we didn't quite get to quarantine stuff, so maybe that'll be safe for another time. But yeah. um, enjoy, and I will chat with you soon, my friend. See you later, Martin. Take care. Bye.